Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. It's going to be like the most sedate up for my end because I'm all stuffed up like NPR. <laughs> like episode. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. It's nine <laughs> past the hour. Uh, the episode is The Traitor. <laughs> yeah. So on the night of The Traitor. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's ride it out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Exo Squad Goals, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Harney. And on this episode, this early morning episode, we are talking about Season 2, Episode 28, The Night of the Traitor. This episode was written by Mr. Edens, Mr. Beimler, and Mr. Manning, who later worked on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and The Next Generation. This is the second of their episodes they wrote. The first one was Dragon's Rock. Ryan, on this morning edition, how did you feel about this episode? So this is actually one of the ones I remember as a kid. Like, I remember parts of this episode as a kid, uh, specifically the, um, like, the tunnel setup stuff. Because it's like, um, so we're finally getting our, like, Valkyrie episodes, uh, <laughs> where, like, the Neo-Sapiens, like, some of the Neo-Sapiens, we'll, we'll go over this during the, the plot recap, but, like, the Neo-Sapiens in general are starting to get fed up with Phaeton, he's, like, not delivering the results he received, he, he promised, and, like, the humans are getting, like, are closing in, um, and, like, Phaeton's getting ready for like, you know, the inevitable. Like it may not, uh, it may not, it may not work out for our uh, for our fair Neo Sapiens. Uh, it's getting pretty tense in there. Yeah, for real. They actually, for the first time, start talking about on the Neo Sapiens side that the war is not going well, and they got to figure out something to do. Like, by the way, we're recording this is the earliest, officially the earliest episode we've recorded. So, hence the NPR opening, in case it doesn't make sense to anyone. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this episode is like a direct follow up to uh, to our last guy. Minus the New York thing doesn't matter at all. Yeah, yeah, that episode could have never happened. It doesn't matter. Yeah, literally thirty <laughs> seconds from that episode matter, and nothing else does. Like continuing the everyone's kind of like distaste for it because fuck that episode um but yeah so in this episode like i said we pick up right after the last one so we start in phaeton city and we see phaeton and his buddies like cruising around the old resistance tunnels looking for a good place to build a two-bedroom bunker and phaeton's like wheelchair bound man and he's all gooey which is kind of crazy yeah it's funny because he's like his disease is like debilitating him which i was thinking about is interesting because like Everything about him is like Hitler esque, but like that's the only thing that evokes like another like World War II era leader, which is like it kind of has like an FDR image to it, which I think is not, maybe not necessarily on purpose, but like I think interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely interesting where it's like because with like Hitler, they had all the you know all the the rumors about the drug stuff, and he got crazy and stuff by the end. But the wheelchair is definitely like like World War II wheelchair FDR. Wait, what? So yeah, yeah, you're like you're like I I I don't think it's like a, I don't think it was like a purposeful like statement about FDR, but like it's interesting image they use because he's like yeah, he's like cruising along on the on the wheelchair. Getting ready to get their bunker set up. And he has a pretty twisted sense of humor because he wants to use the same bunkers that the human resistance used on them to uh, to defend and protect the uh, to rebuild the Neo-Sapien Empire. If it, if it comes to that. I love that. Uh, who is it? Lucellus or whatever his buddy is. It's like, you sure you don't want to build it like in a mountain or something, which is like totally a nod to. Uh, the eagle's nest and all the like the Nazi mountain strongholds, which I kind of got a kick out of. Totally, but yeah. So they uh, they're looking, you know, they're looking at the thing, talking to the real estate agent. Uh, they decide that they're just going to displace three million Terran workers that live in Chicago, <laughs> just like that. So it's kind of like, and you know, they actually make a point of like, we can't do this. It's going to be a big thing. But kind of showing and like maybe still. 
yeah exactly they might be doing some genocide up in here but yeah it's like it's just showing the Phaeton thing he's like getting more and more unhinged and uh you know he's just like we gotta do it can't have any Terrans here and he's like everyone's like what the what the crap so Livia comes in and tells Phaeton that Marsh outsmarted their bird man and Phaeton being a wacky guy is just like Marsh has escaped from New York City my other generals would be afraid to tell me of such a failure that is why I let you live. Really? This is like some uh, some sort of corporate like lesson, like, you know, admit your failings and learn from them. Phaeton's the real 21st century CEO. <laughs> Which is funny because there's at least like five moments in this show where someone's got to tell Phaeton the truth and he's had them dragged off screaming, like, to be executed. <laughs> like, history has shown us that that's not a good idea. Bolivia's like, hey, maybe Phaeton's changing, man. He's understanding the... Uh, the new, uh, the new way you got to be. The, yeah, the 21st century man. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, I set up a ping pong table in the uh, in Phaeton's grand hall. We can, you know, play some ping pong yeah. and just chill out as friends, you know, between. I'm chill. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not here. Yeah, I'm not here to bust. I'm not here to bust your chops. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's work together on this. So, they, uh, so basically, we we flash to uh, Marsh is flying his low powered taxi fueled E frame up to Maine to meet up with the resistance, and it's Turner again, who basically does the exact same thing and they're like you the weapons technician no felson was in the other e-frame it should have gotten here last night well it didn't they didn't show they how'd you know the other e-frame was a two-seater and he's like oh god it's a tree you know they know turner gets smoked in the crossfire and then dragged away following ryan's rule of cartoon villains marsh Basically, jacks a Neosapien E-frame, makes sure to reconfigure it for continuity's sake, and then uh, meets up with Napier in the Resistance. That character of Turner, I think, is like super interesting. Yeah. You know, you don't see many like sniveling uh, turncoats in this show. You know what I mean? Like, not since the f- mayor in Simbaka. Or not Simbaka. Barka. Barka, that was it. Yeah, there really haven't been many traitor characters. It's an interesting character, too, because like... It's it's such an obvious like like biblical Judas reference too because he like he gets the bag of money and like he like he shows a little bit of remorse like it's an interesting care it's an interesting character I think the fact that he's in like like Maine is really interesting because it's like the resistance is everywhere but like like it's not like a hot like it's not a hotbed like you can kind of see how someone in like an area that like doesn't see a lot of action might think you know. You know, sapiens aren't so bad. Like they're not really going to murder all of us eventually. That's just a, that's just a rumor. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny because like I was trying to do some like see if there was like a historical context to like Turner and all that stuff. And there was the uh, I totally forgot about this because this was like totally the uh, during the Oklahoma City bombing and stuff like that. There's the book, The Turner Diaries. <laughs> Which is like oh, yeah. a super like white supremacist race war book, and freaking. I think it's interesting that they have a character named Turner who basically, in the end, wants to divide everyone, and he gets totally smoked in favor of a group of people that are trying to like end things and bring everyone together. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like a total stretch, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Again, super early, but yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, no, totally. So basically, uh, we end up cutting to these like three Neo Megas, and they have uh, Marsala's body up in like a really cozy cabin in the woods. It turns out they didn't kill him; they just put him to sleep. By the way, we never hear about the uh, the tech from the last episode, so he's totally gone, super dead. Yeah, like three times over. Insanely dead. Basically, it turns out that they want to, like you said, they want to do with Valkyrie and freaking make Marsala their man to kidnap Phaeton to end the war because there's no way out. And they want to save as many lives as they can. So, 
you know, Marsala initially like freaking gorilla press slams them all and then eventually listens to them and it says, you know what? Let's do this. It's if it's going to end the war, let's do this. So that was a pretty interesting uh, scheme. I mean, I'm sure there was probably an easier way to do this. Also, they say they can't trust the resistance because they wouldn't believe them. And then Marsala's like, I am not certain I trust you. We cut to this dude just doing like graffiti, like an episode, I think one in Chicago. And he's just, it might be actually the same dude. I kind of want to go back and just check that. The one that Napier busts, you know, he, he's really doing his most for the, uh, his utmost for the resistance. Cause he, rec- he recruits a cat and then it's like, we're going to go on a rat patrol. <laughs> and then he jumps in the sewer to avoid a patrol and he sees Phaeton and his posse. So he calls in that information to the resistance with Marsh. They decide they're going to go take out the dude. Meanwhile, Marsala is like with his stealth frame on a mission to go kidnap Phaeton. So all the pieces are converging on that one set of tunnels in Chicago. It's interesting because it, it calls back to that really odd sequence um, in the beginning, in like the first episode where the guy brings the, brings the spray paint to life. And then, and then um, Phaeton has that intense line about, uh, about uh horns and oh and Liv- livia even says like the vermin won't choose to make fun of us and like there's like the rat stuff and like i don't know it feels very purposefully um like callbacky because like in a way like they're all they're yeah right like it always comes back to chicago and it always comes comes back to like like this place and this time like they're all connected to like the conflict hinges and i think the literal conflict hinges on like the emotional and spiritual conflict of like Napier and Phaeton, like not being able to get over their hatred. And like, that's all about Chicago. Yeah. No. And like in this episode, when uh, Marsh is like, I think that, you know, Marsala might be dead. Napier is like, you know, oh, that sucks, man. He was a good guy, you know? So he's come around totally. Yet Phaeton keeps growing. And it's interesting with that too, that with the horns, he has the line like horns, maybe we should have horns. And they sort of pay that off. Like, a season later by making the warrior brood, you know? So it's kind of, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of like, like you said, go back and give a little wink and a nod to where we've been. So, yeah. So everyone's heading to Chicago. Basically the Neo Megas show up. It's uh, the three conspirators are Galba, right? Lucilius and uh, Gracchus, you know, which are great, oh, yeah. like, you know, Roman uh, Spartacus and history and all that stuff names. They show up and they're like, I guess their grand plan is they're like, you know, we should stop breeding uh, the old Neo Sapiens. We should just just breed all the Omegas because technology is what's going to win this war for us because we're losing. And uh, Phaeton's like, oh, you know why should we do that? You know, I don't trust them. And they're like, oh, you know, we've served you loyally. And he's like, but the Neomakers have served you loyally. Have they? And then this attack starts. Um, Marsal is chasing freaking uh, Phaeton through the sewers and like jacking up his frame. Uh, the resistance is having a firefight. The Neomegas hold uh, Livia at gunpoint and basically are going to pull the old scheme of like, you know, oh, you're the real traitor. We captured you scheming against them. And freaking <laughs> dudes are just like betraying each other left and right. Marsala corners Phaeton out of his frame and he's like, you know, I'm going to capture you. You know, you can't do anything. And then freaking. In the words of our good old friend on Twitter, Monk of War, he pulls a T-1000 Alex Mack and, like, totally melts and escapes through, like, a drain pipe. Yeah, dude. That's fucked up. Yeah, the the Phaeton melting stuff, while I think important for the story and his, like, degeneration, is quite graphic and quite gross. They do it again later on where, uh, after the firefight, where Phaeton is like, 
this E-frame has been damaged. Repair it. And then he turns into goo and like blows out the leg joints. And, and Olivia is like, oh, that's gross. Yeah, there's, there's it's a, like there's a great thing when he's it, melting. You see like an eyeball being jostled around in the uh, in the goo, and it's yeah, horrifying. yeah. They really go all out, and I think it's a great image. And like, I think it like is a great metaphor for like you know phaeton's loss of humanity and like he's no longer like you know able to hold like he's literally coming apart and like he's not like even close to like beginning to be human and like uh but it is really gross they definitely really like to do it like it shows up they definitely use every opportunity to make phaeton turn into goo oh yeah no it's his gimmick now and like uh as john ferry on twitter says like there's some symmetry with like there's a Picasso early on in the episode, and then there's Phaeton's face is basically a real life Picasso by the end of it, which right, is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty rad. Yeah, he is a yeah he is he is more he is more like ectoplasm than, than human being at this point. <laughs> so after the firefight, they don't they don't get uh you know, and Marsala once he loses Phaeton bursts in, saves the resistance because they're getting overwhelmed. They all take off. Uh, Phaeton, like you said blows out the the leg joints which is one of my favorite like weird weirdly specific things that they like focus on for a while and then he's like yeah it's an, it's an oddly long sequence yeah it, it, they really linger on that stuff but he also says like you know he sees through uh lucellus and gracchus's betrayal and because he trusts Li- livia as established earlier and he decides to have all of the Neomegas killed, like every single one, except for Galba, who was the original conspirator. I guess uh, Lucellus and Gracchus, like, you know, kind of went over his head and, you know, had like restrained him or something like that. Because they, it turns out in the end that they think Neomegas should just rule over everyone. So they're basically pulling a Phaeton, kind of like that. We were talking about they have that predetermined, that sort of predestined, like, need for domination. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, you have one guy who, and Marsala kind of confirms is like, a, you know, a good guy who really does want to end the war and save lives. And then you have these two guys who are like psychos, but the one guy who wants to actually save lives is spared because they couldn't trust him. So they're like, well, if they arrested him, he wasn't part of the plot. And then Marsala has a button on this episode where he's like, yep, Phaeton just, you know, he wants the world to burn. He's going to kill everyone. It's, we're setting up for that big finale like we really get a f- sense like after stalling out in that last episode that we're on that final push you know phaeton is ready to have the final confrontation and so so is the squad <laughs> which is kind of awesome but yeah like any like any thoughts anything you wanted to like really hit on this episode or like things that is there anything you wish was in this one that wasn't so i like this episode a lot i i think it's a really good setup episode it's very clearly like setting up like this is the final arc this is the last this is the last fight um, I, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed it overall. Um, I will say it was overshadowed by the, like, get to know an exo trooper part at the end, which is for Wolf, finally for Wolf Bronski. All exo troopers have to undergo a psychological evaluation. In Wolf Bronski's evaluation, the psych tech concluded that inside Bronski was a shy, frightened little boy. Beside that, somebody wrote, yeah, because Bronski ate him. Somebody told Bronski about it. Bronski said, psych techs don't fly E-frames. And I just think that's like the toughest thing anyone said about. Like, I love, I, I really do love the trope in any kind of fiction where like people are, are go through a psych eval and are found to be totally unfit, but are so good they just have to be allowed to do it anyways. I think that's like the best. 
Yeah, no, it's it's pretty great. It's like it's like okay, that's that's fine, but you don't need to drink while you're flying. That seems still yeah. severely really unsafe. He's like, whatever, you know. He said, whatever, man. My inner child is like works. hungry or something for booze, and it's like, yeah. uh, still, still not a good look. Like maybe, yeah. Dizzy Gillespie used to blow his cheeks out. That's bad form on a trumpet. So it's cool if I fly drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, and I just because it's just like like I said, it's like that thing where it's like you know, oh, Bond is unfit to go out into the field. We'll send him anyway. We'll see what happens. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah that'll work itself out. Yeah, that's not how we what's, do things. Like, what's 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 the worst that could happen? A terrorist blow, uh, like that is a nuclear device. Oh, that's exactly what could happen. Wild. Yeah. Uh, Who knew? Um, I just wanted to shout out. Um, and I'm totally blanking on his name. You know, and sort of it's that wonderful 90s like, oh, you know, Napier's a cop. So his E-frame has cop stuff on it. Um, but the the, his, the Japanese member of the resistance, um, whose name I'm totally blanking on, uh, his, oh, yeah. e, his E-frame is like a samurai suit and he shoots like buzzsaws. Oh, yeah. Which is kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, it is. It's kind of amazing. And it's totally like the first time in a long time we've had like, hey, wait, check out this toy in the episode. Yeah. Which is great because he like totally cuts the legs off of like a bunch of E-frames, which for the smaller ones, those are totally dudes' legs in those, which is kind of terrifying. Yeah. With this episode, you know, I feel like by the end, it's a lot of stuff happening all at once, which I kind of love. I kind of wish, it, again, it had more time, but like, you know, we get to see at least three different characters dragged off in classic cartoon fashion, um, yes. which is great. We get all sorts of like crazy betrayals and like, there's a real sense of pace, which I like, you know, I just wish it all, like we had a little more time to like build a conspiracy and have it like really go crazy. But, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, not super remembering what happens in the very next one. I'm really excited to see what happens coming up, you know? Yeah, man, I think it's gonna be sweet. I'm excited. Who do you think your MVP for this episode is? Uh, I'm I'm gonna give it to Livia. She puts up with a lot of crap this episode, uh, including like she really gives 110 percent, and uh, she like faces up the Phaeton. She has to deal with that whole him turning into goo thing. Uh, and like, there's always like an implied physical relation, romantic relationship between Phaeton and Livia. So like, they definitely hit that again when he like turns into goo and she's like, Oh, gross. <laughs> like, um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would, I, I give it up to Livia. I'm going to say Livia too, just cause like, you know, she's, she's an interesting character in the sense that she's always portrayed as like, you don't have any military experience. You can't do this. You can't do that and all that. And yet throughout it all, she's the most loyal. She's like, she's the one that actually doesn't try to betray him that tries to do all this stuff. So it's like, it's, 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 she's a really interesting character because she's not really, uh, your typical like neo sapien cartoon general guy who's like i'm gonna blow everyone up she's very much like kind of horrified like you said horrified by the goo horrified by displacing all the people like she's just like what is going on and i know she's an interesting character in that sense it makes me kind of wish there was like a an actual like you know that you see more sort of male and female neo sapiens going around like because it just feels like by having you know a female character it adds like there's a whole world of why is that? You know, if they're asexual, you know, like, would you yeah. just have like model A, model B kind of thing? You know, it's like, and like, I, you know, yeah, there's, there's something to it. Like, yeah, there's, there's a there there. And like, 
you know, all, all the occupations that they've been in have typically been kind of like, you know, like the B jobs, like, oh, there was the nurse in the fleet. You know, Livia is like Phaeton's most, I mean, he berates her like all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, there is a there there. And like, you know, like in Blade Runner and all these things, like things don't get made for no reason. So I kind of wish they would give her like a little time to you know, to have a little monologue and have a little, a little like, you know, before the war, this and that or whatever. But I don't know. That's just wishful, wishful thinking from an old man. Um, but it would be, but it would be awesome. <laughs> Your kids probably don't care about those things. You just care about the buzzsaw toys and what you'll be getting on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yuri Staff Rogan's a total badass, by the total way. Cool. Yeah. You know, he's totally a complete dick, you know, like, you know, it's like there's a lot of reading to be done on some of these like, you know, some of these characters and some of these things that like, you know, are definitely kind of products of the time. And, you know, we don't have it doesn't fit into the the narrative. But man, like the the implied world building is like right there, it's you know. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty great. Um, Freaking do you get anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm plugging for right now. So <laughs> I will, I'll throw out the, uh, the old two loop of ladies just to keep that tradition going. You can find them on Etsy oh, yeah. at, uh, Etsy slash we, we've said it in literally every episode, including this one. So uh, yeah. Oh, and, uh, two, five films for all your wedding and, uh, videography needs. Uh, excellent, excellent work. My friend, uh, just had his wedding done by two, five and it was fantastic. So. Oh yeah, and we should we should say by the way, there's no Chris on this episode because he's on his honeymoon. So yeah, he got married. Yeah, yeah, shit got real. Um, yeah, so yeah, he'll super be, married. He'll be back in like a couple of episodes, I think. They're having a nice time. So Chris, if you listen to this, keep having fun, man, and you know don't post too many pictures because the rest of us are stuck in cold, rainy, snowy <laughs> U.S. So don't listen to him, Chris. Go wild. <laughs> as long as you have a, a fruity drink on a beach, I'm okay. So make that happen. Yeah, yeah. It um, needs to, yeah, it needs to be a part of fruit. It's always lighter. That's the rules. I'm going to plug uh, myself and the uh, immensely talented Elise Kelly. We did a an animation for the ACLU on the one-year anniversary of the Muslim ban and like some of the human cost of it. So I did the sound on that and it's a really cool piece. You can find that on any of their social media. So if you find them on Facebook or Instagram, it's uh, the one that's animated and talking about that. So check that out. Cause I'm really happy with how that came out. Um, yeah, man, freaking a, do you got anything you want to recommend? Uh, so I just watched, uh, it's a useless and beautiful gesture. Uh, with Will Forte, it's the story of uh, the National Lampoon. Uh, it's like a, it's like a docu drama kind of thing. Uh, highly recommended. Super funny. Super good. Nice. I'm gonna go to the other end of the spectrum, and uh, I just watched a ghost story with uh, Rooney Mara. Yeah, with Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, and it's a super scaled down movie. It's like an hour and a half and kind of artsy, but really good. Um, you know, if you're into that, I mean, they don't talk for like 40 minutes into it. Basically, the plot is without giving anything away because it's called a ghost story. Casey Affleck is killed in a car accident and basically comes back 
to haunt his old house as a ghost, but it's he's literally like a kid ghost, like a guy in a sheet, but he can't really talk. And they do some really good stuff with like the passage of time and scale. Like there's an infamous scene where uh, Rini Mara, after coming back from the funeral, sits down and eats the entire pie almost in real time for like four minutes. And then from there, everything gets like crazy. So it's really good. It's not a horror movie. It's a really introspective movie. And it's it's pretty cool. I was actually kind of surprised it wasn't didn't get something. It's also shot in a, I think, 133 format. So it's like kind of looks like an Instagram post. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, good episode. I want to see what happens on the next one. I will do the spiel now. If you like our intro and outro music, <laughs> should I do it in the NPR way? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Our intro and outro music is provided by Eric Calderon. You can find his stuff on YouTube and all around the internet at 331ERock. If you enjoy the podcast, please reach out to us on Twitter at ExasquadGoals or email us at ExasquadGoals at gmail.com. If you really like the podcast, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash exosquadgoals for as little as $2 a month. Um, we should totally do a membership drive one day. <laughs> like have tote bags and shit. Um, watch like 20 hours of exosquad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it on Twitch or something. It'll be horrible. Um, yeah. Twitch. Yeah. You, you, you also watch me like eating a whole bag of smart food and watching exosquad. <laughs> and if you pay me enough money, I will stop. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be like right the camera's right in there like no just detail all up in my face <laughs> right like i'm just like lean back like emphasizing the belly like just <laughs> we'll get some fruit it'll be like a gallagher show it'll be great um yeah also if any, also if anyone npr fundraising hears this and needs my help uh let me know big <laughs> fan so happy to help uh, we come out with the episode almost every weekend we'll usually say why not on twitter like this one's coming out a little late because it's, the week was crazy. Um, Nailed it. <laughs> we killed it. But uh, as always, for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Don Gagne. No, I'm just, right, I'm just kidding. I'm Ryan Howie. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris, we miss you. We'll see you soon. Are there any heroes in this company? No, sir. Boom. Nailed it. That is pretty interesting, Chris. Uh, and by the way, I am a 30, 38, 32 gene. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy, I enjoy domestic vloggers, and uh, I'm willing to be sponsored by any of the major podcasts. Like the great, like the great place Squarespace. It'll be beautiful. Good. You know, Ryan, I think what would really help us today is that if we both had a really good night of sleep, and I think that... <laughs> Using. Dude, I don't think I can think of anything better than having a great, a great sleep in my Casper mattress while having a having my snacks delivered to me via Nature Box. Yeah, you know, just having some great, some great organic snacks just in time for my Blue Apron to arrive. I don't know, swords. <laughs> swords are cool. Do, do people get swords in the mail? <laughs> Is that like a thing I can just have a fake, fake advertisement? Yeah, knife box. Just pick it up carefully. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, a millennials order knives and have them delivered to the through crates from as they heard on, on podcasts. I feel like that's a great. I feel like that's a great meeting of the halfways. I think I want to try healing the culture war by having guns that you get delivered monthly 
from ads you hear on podcasts. <laughs> so uh, it's it's going to be called Ammo Box. I was going to say. Uh, no, Pillbox. It's going to be called Pillbox. Oh, nice. And it's going to come. Uh, and it'll be biodegradable. Uh, so like every month, like your gun will dissolve and you get a new gun. I think that's a really... <laughs> I love that. And I, and, I, and, I, and I thought about it on my Casper mattress. <laughs> as, I, as, I, as, I, as I put on my clothes from my, uh, from my, from my bomb, from my trunk club, uh, trunk club crate. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, to, uh, to learn more about the world of business and how to create that pillbox, you listen to a good book on Audible. Use the code EXOSQUADGOALS to have a, get three free Audible credits. No. I really want us to have our own podcast code just, just for something. Like, I know. Even just like a Microsoft list. Like, use offer code Bronski's drinking problem to get 10% off. Samaritans. Yeah. Use Bronski to get 10% off your first Drizzly order. <laughs> <laughs>